Welcome to Whole Lot of Wolves, episode 14 of our second season. We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Buckley. And I'm Paul LePage. And joining us is Joe Two. How's it going, Joe? Good. Good to be back, guys. I think we last time we talked, we were right before this nice little run we went on. I was riding a high for a couple weeks there. Yeah, so yeah. We, yeah, we, bring, we bring you back down to earth with a, yeah. a, a bump <laughs> as only the wolves can. <laughs> were you riding a high off of your Steelers as well? Oh, yeah. Uh, Are you a Bears fan? I, I saw am you a Bears tweet. fan. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, man. You guys got jobbed last night, so... I yes, we did. Boy, it. it was bad. Paul, we're going to go into it, but the officiating, I would have rather taken it. <laughs> Mike Dean. Officiating at the Wolves game against Crystal Palace, the NFL game last night. Like, that was, was straight bad. up. That yeah. was straight up. Somebody needs to uh, check and make sure Tommy No Thumbs is uh, not coming after some of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yep. brother. But yeah, that's how it rolls, I guess. We we saw it twice this week. Yep, yep. We did see it twice, and we'll we'll get to talking here about Saturday's match, which was a two-nil loss to Crystal Palace. And honestly, it wasn't even that close, guys. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like Crystal Palace always gives us a little bit of trouble, though. Like, they're a really good team. Every time I watch them play, they give a lot of teams trouble. So I, I wasn't too optimistic going into this one. I was like a little nervous because I always feel like that, but I don't think it was that bad. There were some bright points. There was definitely some low points, but there were some bright points too. Yo, Paul. I thought we absolutely shit the bed and it was dreadful. <laughs> so <laughs> I think the only good points that I saw was the kickoff and maybe half time. And, <laughs> and that was it. But in our coffee that know. we had, our coffee yeah. was good. Yeah. And, what it reminded me of was we're a it, this season we're going to be a seventh to fourteenth place team somewhere within there depending on how the season goes, and that was a typical performance of a team that's going to be kicking around that fourteen spot. It's going to happen. So, do, do you put it down to again a little like the Brentford result that it was somewhat of a one-off bad day at the office? Too many people didn't turn up. Maybe, although you, you give Palace credit because they said that they are a good side when they click, it just seemed a little too easy for them and it seemed a little too easy for us to be found out and a little too easy for them to just press us and knew if we didn't have any comeback that by simply pressing us and, and tightening the screw and attacking from the front that that could get our Achilles heel which it did it, it, it's a tricky one to digest especially being off such a good run that you'd like something more positive to come even in a loss there just didn't seem a lot of fight there or anything there weren't too many chances created I can't really give many scores uh, to the individual, individual players above a six maybe out Nuri, seven at a push, Kilman maybe a seven, but that was it. Trincao was a ghost, Wang wasn't far behind. When you get that, that those players not showing up, when they when we're in that formation, they needed to do a lot more to try and make Palace work harder. They didn't do that, and we suffered as a consequence. Why do you think that they came out so flat, Joe? I don't know. It it seemed like Palace was gunning from the jump. 
And I don't think they were really ready for that. And I think that they never really got settled because like nothing was clicking like offensively at all. No passes, nothing like Paul is saying, like Trincao is just a ghost. Like it wasn't working. So I think that then maybe because they were on such a good run that they were getting frustrated, it seemed like a little bit. And that can get into your head. And if nothing's working and you're just being shut down, they just get went off the rails there. Paul, why can we still not break a press? It feels like the this group of characters or this group of players, they've got the speed and the, it, it feels like they should have the ability to break a press. But whenever they get pressed, they panic. Yeah, it, it it seems weird to me that when we set up the way that we did on, on Saturday, you thought initially, that's fair enough, you're coming off the back of a, a good win at Everton, but you're, you're under pressure in the second half, but you, you played well in the first, so let's see if we can take it through. In hindsight, that seemed okay. But in reality, it quickly became apparent that formation was going to be our downfall because Moutinho and Neves started to get swamped. And I think the realisation is, and we've seen it for going on two years now, might be longer, if you stick an extra body in that midfield, on those two in particular, they're going to be overpowered. And that's what happened, I think, when it came to the press, that they pressed from the front, they really squeezed in the midfield, and that was our downfall. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I think if you're going to tweak that formation, you'd have put the extra body in there. I know we haven't got any choice. It, it's Dendonka, there's no one else. So it's a game where Dendonka starts, and, and we see what happens. He goes two up front, be it Wang and, and Jimenez. And you know what? If you are going to play Troyer as a right wing back, then that's where you start him in, in, in a 5-3-2 and, and see how that goes. So you either see it like that in advance or at half time, pretty much like we saw what was going on as the fans. Why wasn't that tweet made at half time? And then again, when you went a goal down, do, does it change quick enough? Why don't you just give that four? Make make it four at the back. Kilman and whoever, and just see what happens. Try something completely different because it seems at the moment we're getting too easily found out. I had such like a weird experience. So like I saw everybody clamoring that we needed Adama to come on at the half, and it was making sense because uh, Trinkau just wasn't working through the middle. And then when he did come on, it was this like very strange thing that he was essentially just playing Trincao's game of cutting through the middle as opposed to running up and down the wing like he usually does, which I think would have been effective, but he just totally abandoned that and just completely settled into Trincao's role in that game. And it was just like this weird thing that I had never seen before. Like I assumed that his sub would change the strategy a little bit and it just was more of the same. Paul and I were talking on Saturday because there was an interview with Lodge on Friday before the game. And he talked about Adama and he was obviously asked why hasn't he been in the starting 11 recently. And he said he is a threat. He does still want him on the team. And then he said, Adama's working hard to learn to play on the inside, which is something we had been talking about. 
as far as that he likes his wingers to play a little more tucked in and then the wing backs more on the outside pressing, mm. um, at least in that five system. And that's why when Samato came out, it was almost like they were thinking about putting Adama at right wing back. Paul, what are your thoughts on that idea? Because uh, I'll be honest, Samato again didn't have a great game when there's so much riding on him in an attacking sense if you are going to play five at the back with with two wing backs more has got to happen down those flanks from those players and it seems that we see it 10x more from out Nuri so why can't we see similar from Samedo He's, he's popped up with a couple of opportunities this season but he's not been a, a dominant right wing back by any stretch of the imagination so I think that's an issue it's an issue for me formation wise and and personnel wise that potentially it's not clicking potentially some players are out of form and and it's an issue of trying to fit pieces into um, a, a puzzle that might not go correctly so there's a challenge at the moment i think all's not right in in the makeup of that team do you think that maybe ownership had lodged on a little bit shorter leash and the disappointment that came with the transfer window they'll open it up a little bit more in January because of this like nice run that he had. And he seems to like be making it work a little bit better. Do you guys think that? Have you thought about this? So I'm not, that's a good question. I'm not sure it was a short leash, but I do think they didn't know how this team would do this year. And they didn't want to spend boo koodles of money for a manager. If he wasn't going to work, I think there's been enough performances to see that if Lodge has, some more of his guys, and he keeps talking about it again and again. If Lodge has some more of his guys, I I like our potential. It's very clear now what our issue is and what our issue was at the start of the window. It's a center mid. It's a center back, right? By the way, did you see Renato Sanchez just embarrass three people at once uh, over the weekend, Paul? That that always seems the way that we 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 suffer one of these painful losses and and up pops it up pops a gif or a, a little video snippet of him being filthy. He yeah. had his back. He had his back facing the goal, and he's outside. And there's three guys that surround him, and somehow he gets out of there and gets a pass off into the box. And I just look at that that's and I go, sense, "That's a centre midfielder." Yeah, you know? yeah. And <laughs> I look at that and I go. Yeah, there, there's your number 10 right there. There's your number 10. He's sitting there. We should have already had him. We got cheap. That's We got cheap. We can't even say the physical thing, blah, blah, blah. No, he's back and doing that stuff. We got cheap. And if we get cheap again this window, I wouldn't be shocked if Lodge starts looking to move. I think he's proving he's a good manager. Even though we're having issues, uh, I guess what I keep falling back on is this is still mostly Nuno's players. So this um, this brings in actually a, a no stupid question here because it, it's looking specifically at the manager and it's Wolves rated on Twitter and he asked, do we question Bruno's 
in-game management given the late subs and apparent inability to change things around and I, I actually feel here and I don't know whether you agree or share some similar light on it but do you feel that he hasn't kind of got the had the rub of the green yet from the fans it seems to me that he's not had that grace period that I know you can't really allow for that in the EPL it's very cutthroat look at the likes of Dean Smith, bad run, and, and he's out of a job at, at Villa. But again, like the expectation came from the board that Large was supposed to be an, an appointment that was going to improve on was happening last year. So isn't he doing a good enough job to have that team in eighth with all Nuno's parts, bar two or three players? I I, I don't know. It, it, it's a tricky... I could see both sides. I could definitely see the... That there's a definitely question marks over the sub element and maybe getting found out too easily by the likes of Brentford or Palace, but I still think that he, for some reason, there does seem some dissenting voices that aren't backing him, like a new manager should be at this early stage. Well, you, as far as the fans and people not giving him a grace period, I'll say this. You know how they say when a bear tastes human flesh, it just only wants to eat humans? <laughs> Wolves fans are the bears, and Europe is the flesh, is the human flesh. This is what it is. They've got the taste now. And we were promised big things, like we were going to be a big club, and so that's what they want. Joe? That's fair. I, I think that, yes, people were down on Lodge from the jump. Like, you, you mm-hmm. guys saw it. Like, it was – so I think they, they're still recovering from that. And, like, the love of Nuno that everyone had because of what he had accomplished, like his success. So he's trying to fill those shoes too. And I think that overall, yeah, he's doing great. And like you said, like, the players that he did get in the window, like – Chan is amazing, right? This kid yeah. is unbelievable. That's exactly what we needed. We could finally have somebody that can just like score goals. So great. <laughs> so I think that you do need to give him the benefit of the doubt. Now, now the in-game stuff and the subs and like changing tactics and stuff like on the fly. I, I don't, <sighs> the players seem to respond to him. He like talks to them. He's on the side. He's giving them instructions. They seem to respond to that. But like this sub thing, it's stuff not working and it's you just keep doing it i have some questions about it but he knows better than me like he's on the pitch and knows the guys and what's happening so i'll trust him until i can't anymore i i do think wolves rated does bring up the good point though as far as the late substitutions because most teams when something's not working or they're looking for a spark even nuno would do this 60th minute that was always when you'd see adama come in or potens come in just looking for that spark with Lodge, it's more of 70th, 75th minute. And it's almost become a little bit of a joke on Wolves Twitter, I've noticed. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this game's begging for Adama, then we'll see him in the 85th minute. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't that far off. So I would be curious. This is where I wish the England media was a little bit more like the American media and had a little more access like the American media. Because I I would just love to hear somebody grill Lodge on some of this. Like, why are you deciding to do later substitutions than most people? 
Yeah, maybe he has a reason. Who knows? I, I yeah, he he may have a great reason, but nobody's asked that question. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting dynamic, and I think there's kind of two sides to the coin that we did see it at the Villa game to a certain extent, and it was Bowden's coming on. It was the catalyst and, and turned that around. But again, was that a, a hint of luck or fantastic strategy? That Was it a one-off that it is an Achilles heel? And that we're not seeing it often enough that he's, he's got these players at his disposal to bring on. But then even still, that bench is still not massively deep with creative talent as well. That if, if Trincao starts and Wang, it's it's Podence and Traore. You, you can flip that dynamic however you want, but there's nothing else. There's nothing else there creatively that he could turn around and look to influence a game with. And I'm not just really thinking about attacking players there saying creativity. I'm saying where's where is that number ten? Where's that where's that forward who flits between the midfield and the attacker? Where's our Connor Gallagher? Jeez, if there was a player that was ready made for a Wolves midfield oh. in a three to to stick him up in an advanced position be behind the forwards, he'd have a field day. So that there's that element to it as well. I don't think Large is playing with a fair hand because mm-hmm. he's not got his pieces at his disposal. And and personally, I think it, it's too early to cast judgment around his in-game management and subs based on that hand that he's playing with. That player's in France, by the way. That's where he's but, at. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean to keep like beating a dead horse here, but my God, this the you look at what we need and you look at what Sanchez brings and it's just this should be a no-brainer. And I'm it, really gonna be upset if he goes somewhere like Liverpool or something, because we got cheap. He should be the the absolute perfect compliment for Neves. Oh, absolutely. They should compliment each they they'll bring the best out of each other and that could be a Portuguese central midfielder partnership for the next five, six, eight years. So they could work that well together. We're crossing everything here, but we need something, that's for sure. Joe, do you think the back four is going to happen once the Africa Cup kicks off and Saïs and Bali are gone? Oh, I... They keep reminding me that, and I keep trying to forget that it's going to (laughs) happen. Because Cody had a pretty rough he's older he's really hot and cold like some games he looks decent some games he has a few that you're just like what were you doing so i don't know what's gonna happen when the africa cup kicks off i'm getting nervous Bali hasn't been in the lineup for a while like he isn't he's what been on the bench i thought he was injured and then he's still been on the bench he's good now yeah he's, he's been good on the now bench. he's just yeah. on the bench yeah so yeah seemed like he's doing better under lodge than he was under nuno i see a lot less of times that i'm screaming at him so <laughs> so that was good but like with the both of them gone man i i don't know what they're gonna do yeah yeah probably like they have to change something because who else do we even have that yeah i, I, w- I will say we've been talking about did adama hit lodge's dog or something did, <laughs> ba- did bali knock up his daughter or what yeah because <laughs> bali could get a a sniff of the of the pitch, and he loves Kilman, man. And it's yeah, it, uh, Kilman's not. Kilman's been our best player. He's been our most consistent player this year, and I was so glad to see him get that 
contract extension. But I'm really surprised they haven't tried Bali back there instead of Saiz just once. Even what Saturday goes to prove is that five at the back is such a luxury. And when they when they underperform or they get bullied like Benteke bullied Saiz the goal, what's the point of having three centre-backs if they're going to have that done to them? Why don't just play Kilman and Bolly left and right and see what happens to ready-made centre-backs and, and, and just see what happens? But the, the flip side of that is we're getting close to the middle of November now. Bolly's away December. That's not really enough time to have any type of partnership form unless they know something's happened in January, which I, I, I question because we've never been a team that's done significant business in a transfer window in terms of incomings now was that down to the previous manager who knows could there be these players presented that previously would have been turned down under Nuno suddenly Large is in and he gets offered three or four and okay I'll take him in January so we'll see but I can't see a four happening in the foreseeable future and even less chance in January onwards with the African Cup of Nations, I think it's going to be fitting the spare parts in there, praying that we we get away with it. Maybe stumbling on something that nobody expects that it's suddenly Dendonka and Kilman, and suddenly that's an amazing, <laughs> yeah. that's an amazing centre back partnership. And you probably accuse me of smoking something after saying that. But who knows? I was going to say, how many of those Italiano yeah, coffees? Yeah. <laughs> I'm the one drinking whiskey here, not you. Yeah, I, I, you bring up the good point. And a lot of stuff, it feels like it happens late in the January window. But if anything's going to get stuff to happen early in the window, it's the Africa Cup. Yeah, but for everyone as well, that we're not in the... Uh... It, we're not just exclusive in this transfer window that everyone else is involved and th- there's going to be other teams that have this, this balancing act to do of, of player departures and incomings with a transfer window. It's going to be competitive. Injuries start to take the toll as well this part of the season as well. So suddenly do a couple of guys go down elsewhere. West Ham lost down, but... Um, Agbala for an ACL, so he's done for the season. They probably need a centre back. Are they shopping in the same market that we are now? So, just goes to show that you really need your ducks in a row and to to strike quick. And hopefully they do it. Yeah. So, so you guys think that this will be a more upfront window then, because of I think these? It's gotta be. Yeah. I don't think we had like the luxury to sit back like yeah. from all the things that like Lodge has been saying, even like last window, he was saying like, I have players that I want and he's still saying it. I think that he has ideas in mind that he wants to open this up as quick as he can and start making his fingerprint on the team. By the way, if I need to buy some of these uh, Christmas sweaters that Wolves put out today to uh, make sure that we get Sven Botman, I'm prepared to do it, and I need everybody else to take one for the team here. You, you, uh, Josh, you got to buy him now because the, the amount of time <laughs> it takes for a, a, a Wolves mega store delivery order to get these shipments in the United States, then I think time's running out. And 
that's an interesting question there. It feels like the delay on merchandise has taken a little bit longer. Do you think that's just a Castor inventory issue or? No, I think it's a case that they've always been been crap. Plus you've got <laughs> plus you've got Brexit is falling into this as well. And like even basic issues like back in the UK of simple letters, the Royal Mail could take two days or 14 it's just look of the draw so i think you just got that perfect storm of everything being crap at the moment so there was an interesting story that came out today about several clubs and wolves were flat out listed as one of the clubs that asked about this for boxing day there was a plan out there to have premier league teams playing on boxing day to wear their away kits to signify they have no home type deal. And they were going to take the jerseys, sign them, sell them off for charity, and it was going to go to the homeless charities out there. Uh, EPL said no. And, and they said no because it's in the rules. You have to wear your home kits. That's the priority on there. And Tottenham's not happy about it. Wolves in Brighton are not happy about it. And they'd even mentioned Tottenham as thinking they may still do it anyways. What are your guys' thoughts? Because that, to me, seemed like something stupid that uh, Major League Baseball would do. Just completely. <laughs> yeah, I I love the, like, alternate jerseys and the fun. Like, I, I'm a fan of the NHL. I watch a lot of hockey. But I'm always, like, envious of the NBA that pretty much just runs, like, whatever jerseys. Or baseball now has a ton of jerseys, too. So, like... I don't see a reason why you wouldn't want to do this. And then when you make these one-offs, they sell. So at least I know for like the Penguins, like whenever they do situations like this, like hockey fights, cancer jerseys or whatever they do, when they make these jerseys, sign them and give the money to charity, people pay a lot of money for the jerseys. And when they sell them in the store, it's a great opportunity for the team to make money. So I don't see what what the reasoning would be behind this. And like, why is the Premier League so curmudgeon about the jersey rules it's just this, it's antiquated right it's just so weird this is what they said clubs are entitled to support charitable causes and we encourage clubs to do provided is compliance of premier league rules the premier league receives a large number of requests from charities each season however we aren't able to support all centrally what a bunch of poo. Paul, you can tell me because i know wolves had the feed the pack a charity that they did earlier this year for people that were struggling during the pandemic. What is the the situation in Wolverhampton and in the black country as far as homelessness? Is that a for real problem? Yeah, uh, I'd say it, it's an issue, I think, that's been exacerbated across the country, really, in the past 18 months to two years, pan, pandemic-related, people losing their jobs due to it and, and the knock-on effects of all of that. If, if there is one one part of the country in Wolverhampton's not in isolation that could benefit from the type of spotlight that these efforts bring, then that then we're one of them, and yeah. rightly we're we're involved. And I think on on the flip side, we know its importance as a club, so that's why they tend to do their own thing in terms of feed my pack and. You got the Molyneux sleep out, I think, within the next two weeks for the same type of deal. But it is frustrating when you're not asked, you're not asking the Premier League for money. You, you're asking for 
some exposure for one game as a talking point and, and the the elements to, to flow afterwards from that gesture. It, it's got nothing to do with, with them giving anything. It's just making it a talking point so it increases people's awareness and to shoot it down that way is, is just laughable, really. It was really a great idea not wearing your home kit to represent people that don't have a home. Yeah. Like, super smart, good talking point, like, really smart. I was very glad to see that Wolves were listed as one of them that went straight to the EPL to ask. They specifically listed Wolves and Brighton, and then, like I said, Spurs were in there as well. But that's always one thing that makes me proud to be a Wolves fan. The Feed the Pack, I remember I I told my wife about that, how they donate all that money, and then Nuno donated some of his personal money for that, and she said, you know what, that's what's awesome about this club. And I feel like, once again, big charity thing and wolves are at front and center trying to get it done you know what let's it was a bad game against crystal palace but this club does do so much for the community and tries to do so much for the community i i really think even for somebody like me that's never visited the city it's good to see a club that's really that impactful in the community Okay, Paul, no stupid questions. Well, we got in the virtual mailbag today. I'd say this is probably the best week of no stupid questions, as they're exactly what this part of the show is all about. So already we've had Wolves rated, asking uh, about the game and Bruno's setup. So next up is something completely unrelated from the Wolves fancast crew on Twitter. They ask... What is the one place in Wolverhampton you'd like to visit, which isn't football related? So I'm going to tee you two up to answer that one. Seems that you're still in the infancy of learning about our great city. Joe, I'll let you go first. When I travel anywhere, the main things that I like to do is all of my traveling that doesn't involve a sporting event revolves around food and booze. Like, I'm a drinker to the core. That's what I like to do. So when we went to Hawaii, we did a tour to find, like, the best Mai Tai on the island. Because this is just a fun way to see, meet the locals, to see a bunch of different bars and stuff like that. So I was, like, looking around, and I was definitely walking around on Google Maps and trying to see, like, interesting things that, like, I would do in Wolverhampton. The conservatory looks cool. I was like, oh, I could go to the conservatory, go to the park. But in reality, I'm going to wind up finding... 10 dive bars that are the diviest dive bars that I can find to just sit and bullshit with the bartender. And I like to mix it up a little bit. Sometimes you get like one craft cocktail, but for the most part, you'll find me like in a bar with a stool and a TV just sitting there if I'm away. So like I found some cool bars, but that's like my main thing. There, Okay, so there's a gin bar 
that like I don't remember the name of it. What do you know what it was? I don't know. There's I'm, this like I'm ten years removed from it as well. Okay. So. so there's this like gin bar and all of the inside was like decorated with like Christmas lights and there was like an outside too. And they have forty different kinds of gin and they make like interesting gin drinks for each different type of gin that they have. And I was like, that's a place that I would spend hours at. And I'm not even like a huge gin guy, but I was like, this is something that's very interesting. And that's where I would go. I guess that's an uneventful answer. I, I would like to know what other people would suggest to people to go. Cause I, I plan to go see a Wolves match at some point when there's not a pandemic. And I, I would love some suggestions beyond that. But yeah, most of mine are just going to be pubs and bars and stuff. I think that's fair. So I'm like you, I definitely, I feel like pubs are just, they go together with England. Siegfried and Roy went together with Vegas, right? (laughs) So the one that I was looking at photos and I thought was really cool was the Gifford Arms. Have you been to that place, Paul? Yeah, that's that's pretty unique because it's a proper, it's a proper pub. The building that it's in, very unique for Wolverhampton. Plus when I was growing up in, in my teens, an early 20s i'm not sure whether it still is now but it was a proper metal bar as well so oh, nice <laughs> yeah you go you go drinking in there it's still a good one for for a pre-match drink and, and a post-match drink but come seven o'clock at night the crowd would suddenly start switching around so yeah so I had some good nights in in the gifford that's for sure anytime it's showing a thing that looks like the Iron Throne from Game of Thrones. I'm down yeah. with that. Keg and Comfort Micro Pub also sounded pretty cool because they said they changed the menu weekly. Have you been there? No. Okay. Again, we're, I'm some years removed from a proper trip out around Wolverhampton. So, Is there like a local Wolverhampton food? In America, we have all these like regional foods or city foods. Sure. Like, what is, do you have one and what is it? Haggis. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's a completely different country. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what you're going to do, what you're going to do here, it's not exactly a traditional English food. The black country, Wolverhampton, surrounding areas, very popular, given the population for Indian and Middle Eastern food. Ooh. So what your typical night out would be if it was related to the, the football is you go for a few beers before go to the match, few beers after, and then you go for a curry. And mm. I, actually, I think it, it's within a stone throw of the Molyneux. It's called the Bilash Restaurant. And it's actually a Michelin-starred Indian what? restaurant. So, yeah, that would be one that you could combine with football, beer, and food, which is, yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd be pretty pretty pleased to check off all those boxes for that particular trip, so. You could go in, like, after a football game, kind yeah, of, just yeah. a little buzzed up, and oh, nobody's gonna... Yeah, and, and or, or the, the, <laughs> the complete flip side, that you last orders at the bars 11 and you a few sheets to the wind and then you, you go in there for a curry and you carry on drinking, so that's awesome. the English way, baby. Yeah, that sounds great. Oh, man. Okay, cool. Thanks for the tips. One other thing uh, I wanted to go to, it's just outside Wolverhampton, but the Royal Air Force Museum, that looks pretty interesting. Yeah, it's RAF Cosford. So I, I think if we got a few folks that are looking at this trip and planning it and even on the Twitter feed today from what this question prompted, there was a bunch of great suggestions. So do check that out. But the beauty of the Midlands is that 
even though we're talking about Wolverhampton, which may not be a ton happening directly in the city centre, just within a few miles, you've got that RAF base in Cosford. You've got the Black Country Museum that was mentioned, that is a fantastic living museum, real actual buildings that were built in the area, moved brick by brick to the museum. Peaky Blinders, the TV show on Netflix, they do a bunch of filming there. It's that realistic. So oh. within 10, 15, 20 miles of Wolverhampton, you've got a an absolute ton of history and, and interesting stuff to do. It's just not all reserved in, in Wolverhampton itself. But think of the wider conurbation of the West Midlands and Birmingham. It's a really rich touristy place to go to if you start drilling into it. Now, Paul, obviously, when Joe and I go, we're probably not going to just spend all the time in Wolverhampton. But I am a big paleontology nerd. Is there oh, a good dinosaur museum there? You tri- Obviously, you kind of fall into somehow seeing London at some point. Either you fly into there or it's not too far to get the train. So you got the, is it the Natural History Museum in okay. London is world famous for dinosaurs. But... Here's a shout out to all the, the West Midlands folk. Dudley, which is three miles away, is is world famous. They got for dinosaurs and fossils. And I'm sold. <laughs> you can you could just drop you off in there and, and you'd be you're gonna be in your element. That's actually the the part of the world my dad grew up in and it's just down the street and you could go looking for all these fossils. So all around the Black Country Museum area, very rich vein of all of that stuff. So you, you could find the next Jurassic Park right in Dudley. I wanted to be a paleontologist growing up. That was my dream. And then I realized I don't like working outside or getting dirt on my hands. So yeah. <laughs> that, that became a slight issue. I had to reevaluate my career plans. It happens. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> Next up is some more into podcast love. This time from at Walls Women Pod on Twitter. They asked, with Walls Women winning 7 0 in the FA WNL Cup, which is the League Cup equivalent for the women, do you think we can say that they're officially up for the Cup? So I think the definitive answer there is yes. And if you're interested in following the Wolves women team more closely, that podcast and the related Twitter commentary is the expert source for all things Wolves women. So do go and check that one out. By the way, I'm a little jealous that the Wolves women, their kit sponsor looks a lot better. I thought the same thing as soon as he brought up Wolves women. I saw the kits the other day and I was like, these look really sharp. Yeah, they look sharp. It looks really good. And the last one saved it to the last because it's an absolute slobber knocker of a no stupid question by Alex Petakas on Twitter. Probably one of the best he's ever received. And it really goes along with, with a theme that we've already uncovered tonight. So Alex asks, what's your match day drink of choice, each of you? Does it vary based on time slot? Alex says he loves a breakfast Guinness lately, but found it less appealing later in the afternoon, like the Everton (laughs) night game. It definitely does depend on what the time slot is, because I can't, I guess I could, but I'm not exactly going to be chugging down some uh, whiskey uh, (laughs) full blown at a 9 a.m. kickoff. Paul, what do we have Saturday? 
So I'll, I'll go in reverse. If I'm going to Nick's place with Houston Wolves to watch it, I will have a mimosa to start with because I'm thinking orange juice, vitamin C, you know, that can't be too bad for you. Then I'll have a coffee, but seems it's an Italian sports bar. It's an Italian coffee, which has amaretto in it, something out, mm. another liquor. Bailey's, I think. Yeah, Bailey's. Something like that. And then topped off with cream. And it's, it's absolutely delightful. So I think the orange juice and the coffee kind of balances that out. So come half time, I might switch it up to, to a pint for the second half. But yeah, that's what I do when it comes to drinking in the bar at nine o'clock or 10 in the morning. Yeah, I had that Italian coffee with Paul the first time for the first time, and it was tremendous. So I will be doing that again. Now, if it's an afternoon one, there's a brewery out here in Houston called Carbach Brewery. My favorite, which is it, it's Love Street that they have, and it's a really good kind of blonde type type beer but then they also have an ipa called hopadillo and that is our friend clive he always has the hopadillo and he makes fun of me if i don't have the hopadillo with him because he said oh drink a drink a man's drink in fact for my birthday he got me a six pack of hopadillo for the game and shout out to clive we got great news almost cancer free so that was big news for us at nick's place on saturday and another hack on the the drink in front as well because alex mentioned Guinness and I shared it with him on Twitter my little setup that I've got at home so if it's a home game I'll have a cup of coffee for the first half but then if Guinness is something that you like Guinness Nitro cold brew coffee is absolutely astounding so that's what I go to second half and I found (laughs) And this, this was legitimate. I, I found by it, it was a weekend away. I went in San Antonio, little vacation. That one of those cans fits perfectly into one of the plastic cups that you get from Starbucks. Mm-hmm. So you look around thinking you're all like hipster with your iced coffee. <laughs> really? It, you, you got a Guinness on the go. So that is my go-to now. Like, first thing, I think it, it, it's great. Because so. when I think hipster, I think Paul LePage. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe, you seem to be uh, right along our lines with... Uh, dr- I love the coffee cup tip. We do that all the time. Nobody ever questions what's inside a Dunkin' Donuts coffee cup. That's just a pro tip for everyone. If you're carrying a Dunkin' Donuts coffee cup, nobody asks you what's inside it. It's... So we go to the place and get cups. But for me, usually the games are on Saturday mornings. So usually I'm so hungover from Friday night that like I just am kind of just like trying to get through the morning. I actually don't do too much drinking during the matches because it's always just like coming off the thing. Um, Yeah, if it was morning time, though, definitely you can crush some mimosas. I've definitely drank a lot of mimosas during games before. I'm with you, Paul. That's usually what we do. Do mimosas, start making breakfast and breakfast at the half and type situation. That's what I normally do. And kids listening out there, please do drink responsibly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> By the way, I, for the podcast, uh, each time I usually have a whiskey and I don't like Coke. So I drink root beer. So A&W root beer, half half root beer, half whiskey. So there's normally I like Jack just because I grew up an hour and a half away from Jack Daniels distillery. But there's this really good local distillery out here called Shire Oak, which I've started doing. And it's tremendous. Yeah, Shire Oak would like to uh, sponsor the Wolves. (laughs) 
Gotta I'm reach sure out it's to right them, up man. their demographic. We'll try and tag him on Twitter and get some exposure that way. So exactly, it's the best, man. And they have a cinnamon one too, Joe. Oh, they make like a cinnamon toast crunch shot. It's very interesting. Oh, yeah, I can get <laughs> down with that. I'm a big whiskey guy. My wife, she was a liquor sales rep for a while, so I have like a whole house full of all kinds of booze. But whiskey's my go-to too. So Shire Oak whiskey. Paul, I think we're what we're doing here, at least for our side, when wolves come to Houston over the summer, is we're establishing a little bit of an itinerary. Like obviously Nick's place. I feel like we need to hit Carbach. Some of these other places. Are are you down? Well, I'm down even further than that because it was one of the comments when I was chatting to the the guy setting up the DFW meetup that happened for the first time on, on Saturday. They were saying about an all-Texas get-together and we rotate between Dallas, Houston, Austin, San Antonio. So I'm saying we just run with it and maybe even turn it to a whole lot of walls, welcome invite, <laughs> some type of live show. I don't know, I'm just shooting from the hip but we do it in houston to run with and, and we don't reserve it just for texas but we're the most welcoming state and we invite everyone in so if you want to come then don't matter where you are in the country you'd be welcome so i think we're definitely going to put some work into formalizing that for for next season whether the walls come or not we should make it an annual event as we bring it home, Joe, let the listeners know about everything that you have going in the wonderful world of podcasts. I am from Too Fast, Too Forever. We talk about all kinds of Fast and Furious movies, and F9 came out, so we just watched that a whole bunch. And we talk about. I'm going to be a guest soon. Are you? Did you get an email from Joey? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to awesome, be. Awesome, perfect. Uh, I told them either Fast Five or Fate, and Ooh. so you guys have me coming on for one of the Fate ones. Beautiful. Okay, cool. Yeah, so we put you good. Yeah, he does a little scheduling. He's way more practical than I am. I just pretty much show up. Yeah, so we're going to be doing the next lap. Our next lap is Hobbs and or Shaw Brothers, right? So it's going to be like that stuff, Kung Fu movies. I talked about that last time. But yeah, every Tuesday on Cage Club Podcast Network, Too Fast, Too Forever. You can find us at TooFastTooForever.com and at Too Fast, Too Forever on every social media. I'm easy to find and, you know always bullshit about wolves or sports or fast and the furious all of those things easy to find and qu- quick question in the fast yeah. and furious world did you see vin diesel's uh yes. kind of apology welcome to uh so, the rock what are your thoughts so yeah we're about to talk about this too because this is big news this week for us vin diesel Huge. posted like the rock needs to come back we've been pitching this theory for a while that because the rock comes from the world of wrestling that the feud itself was wrestling like promo and that they weren't actually in a fight we could definitely see that like their vin's ego might have caused a real fight but we we would like to imagine that this is a wrestling promo fight and if you read the post thinking about it as wrestling promo it reads like wrestling promo because it's like derogatory weirdly although he's telling him he should come back he's also like little brother and stuff yeah so i i think it reads like wrestling promo we're happy and i hope that the rock is back there's no way you could do 10 without him so i'm excited hopefully that means he's back i i love the press junket with the rock and emily blunt when he was asked about it for during the jungle cruise press junket and he was just always (laughs) (sighs) yeah see i think that they're just see it's it's a long con they've been running us for a couple years now they need to make hobbs and shaw this is how they got there genius Yeah.
that brings this week's show to an end so please continue to do what you can in terms of liking subscribing and reviewing a lot of wolves on the podcast platform you find yourself listening to us on we'll be back next week for a dedicated preview of the next dpl fixture when we welcome high flyers west ham to molyneux it's a big Knicks place derby in Houston as we share the same bar for watch parties as the West Ham crew. So it's one that myself and Josh have a distinct interest in. So in the <laughs> meantime, up your national team, whoever that may be, and the Wolves players who may be resenting them. And as always, up the mighty, mighty Wolves. Wolves.